You know, it's great to be a part, it's great to be a part of a congregation where we can laugh and, and joke with, with one another. And it's very interesting, the dialogue that just took place, especially given what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, we, we have been singing about the goodness of God, we've prayed about how that His his blessings just fill us with overflowing. It's a gorgeous day outside. We have, um, we, we have laughed together. We have felt our heart break because of news that we have heard about members of our family. It is a, it is a great environment uh, to be in. And we have these blessings to be able to come together like this because we have been blessed in this, in this nation for so many years by our God. And as Dr. Hayes said, it is something that we need to remember and not take for granted. And I hope that as all of you, as you are looking forward to the holiday that is approaching with Independence Day and with all the different things that go on on the 4th, that your, your hearts and your minds will be on not just the, the hot dogs and the hamburgers, not just on the fireworks, but on truly the blessing that it is to, to be here in this place. To be in this country and to be able to enjoy the different, um, the different benefits that come with this, with this land. And yet you, you turn on the television and you look at social media and you see a country that is right now very divided, at least in appearance. And it weaves its way into so many different facets of our lives. We've all been told growing up that there are two things you never talk about over the Thanksgiving table, right? What are those? Religion and politics. You know that. I saw a great, I saw a great quote a few years back that said, you know, maybe instead of telling our children never to talk about religion and politics, we should teach them how to talk about religion and politics in a way that is healing instead of divisive. Now, wouldn't that be something? I found this quote I wanted to share with you. It says, the argument culture urges us to regard the world and people in it in an adversarial frame of mind. So that if you have a different view from me, if you have a different opinion, if, if you have a different passion, then automatically you and I are adversaries because, well, that's just what culture has taught us to be. If you slight me in any way, if you dismiss me, if you overlook me, if you say something that I don't agree with, if you say something that I take the wrong way, then you are my adversary and I'm against you. And sometimes we just go around shouting at each other. I like this picture where everything is basically a zero-sum argument, right? It's either yes or it's no. Or we just go and get in each other's face and we we point and we look angry as this photograph shows. And sometimes it even leads to the fact that, you know what, I just can't stand you and so, so we're going to fight, right? Uh, no, that is not the U.S. Senate or Congress, um, uh, even though you might think so. But you understand what this is like, right? 
You've seen this play out on the ball fields and in committee meetings. You've seen it take place in different communities and on different boards. You know what it means to have individuals say, well, I'm for this and you're for that. And therefore, because of that, we can't be together and we can't spend time with one another and we can't talk. And, and maybe you end up looking like these two guys here. And you're bruised and you're bleeding all because of the positions that you hold. And it, like I said, it goes into so many areas of our life. And it's been reminded to me because of everything going on right now with the World Cup, right? Hey, Monday is Brazil versus Mexico. Is that right, Adam? All right. Now, I did not know this until recently. Um, I didn't know that Mexi the, the Mexico national team is looked upon like the evil empire by the rest of uh, Central America and the rest of the world. It's like everybody wants to pile on Mexico. It was just a couple of weeks ago that Mexico and Germany were playing one another. And we had a group that was in our Family Life Center that was watching that. And there was a rumor going around that Marco, being originally from Guatemala, had been practicing how to say goal in German. I don't know if that's true or not. And I was like, well, how can you do that to your brothers? And he was like, well, this is Mexico, you know. But you see it in the World Cup, and you've got these teams, and so much is on the line. And, well, if you're going to be for Brazil, well, I can't support you. Or if you're going to be for Mexico, I can't support you. And it's, it's just back and forth. It even gets into our candy. Did you know this? How many of you are left Twix? And how many of you are right Twix? Do anybody, you know, some of you in here, you know what I'm talking about? Um... And let me just tell you, I don't know why there's the debate, because they're all, it's left Twix. I mean, that's what it is. I don't know why anybody even thinks about the right side, but it is just the culture that we live in. It's just who we are. And so I thought, you know, just for a few minutes this morning, why don't we talk about being instruments of God's grace in a culture that has so little of it? What if we talk about being different and acting different? What if we talked about how that we, as followers of Jesus, do not have to get caught up in all of the rancor, in all of the anger, in all of the passion that overcomes, so where then we act in ways that are not God-honoring? What if we really just focused on saying, you know what? In everything, I'll be an instrument of God's grace. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Notice there's not a qualifier on there. It doesn't say serve others if they vote the way that you do. It doesn't say serve others if they like your sports team, if they went to your school, if they went on your degree path. Serve others if they are of your faith community. Serve others if they're of your nation. Serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You and I are instruments of God's grace, and there is no qualifier on it. And that means that whomever that we interact with, whoever we have conversations with, we are to interact with that individual. We are to talk with them. We are to treat them as if we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. 
And so we speak to them in grace. We treat them with grace. We serve others with grace. We have it oozing out of our pores so that when we have these interactions, instead of causing divisions and instead of causing more and more strife, instead we are the ones who are the peacemakers. You say, well, how in the world does that take place? How does that take place in a time period that seems to be becoming more and more divisive? Here's what I think. The first thing we need to remember is that our identity is in Christ. Our identity as Christians is in Christ. Your identity is not as a Democrat or Republican. Your identity is not as one sports team or another. Your identity is not as one religious group or another. Your identity is in Christ because all of you are children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. This is what Paul would write to the church in Galatia. And he said, and all of you have been united with Christ in baptism and you have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. In other passages, he will talk about how that if you are in Christ, you have died. And guess what? Dead men have no rights. Dead women have no rights. And you claim that there's certain ways that you have to be treated, and certain ways that you have to be spoken to, and certain opinions that others need to hold if they are going to be in your presence. But yet you're dead, and Christ lives in you. And your identity is found there. And because of that, Paul would continue, and he would say, in Christ's family, there can be no division. In Jew and non-Jew, slave and free, male and female. Among us, you are all equal. And he says that is we are all in a common relationship with Jesus Christ. So as there is an equality that we have in Christ that supersedes everything else that might divide us. Now you can have your opinions on left twigs or right twigs. And you can pull for your own World Cup team. And you can have your opinion on to how politics should be run in this country and throughout the world. But none of those opinions supersede your identity in Christ. In fact, your identity should dictate your response to all of those issues. Where everything is brought under the umbrella of your identity. When you're trying to decide, how do I respond to someone who's different from me? How do I talk to someone who votes differently? How do I respond to someone who has a different opinion about what's going on at the southern border right now? How do I talk with someone who has a totally different view on how to raise kids, on a totally different view when it comes to sexuality? How do, I, how do I talk with someone who has a totally different view on just how society should be and, and what things should look like? Well, your identity dictates your response. You don't respond as a certain party would have you respond. You don't respond as a certain group would expect you to. You don't respond just because this is how granddad always thought about this. You don't respond because you think, well, this is what my parents would want. You respond out of your identity in Christ. 
So what does that mean? Well, open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. And I want you to see just an opportunity that Jesus and his followers had to respond in grace when there were individuals who were against them. Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 51. It says, as the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. So, so get this picture. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He knows his time is short. In order to make the journey, he has decided to take a path that would lead him through Samaritan area. Now, the Samaritan and the Jews did not get along, even though they were very distant descendants from one another. Because of intermarriage that had taken place after the times of captivity that you can read about in your Old Testament, there was intermarrying between different groups of people, and the Samaritan people emerged out of that. And those Hebrews who considered themselves to be of a pure line looked down on the Samaritans, and the Samaritans thought that those pure Jews, well, they thought that they were smug and insolent, wanted to have nothing to do with them. They had their own place of worship in the Samaritan areas. Jerusalem, of course, was the place of worship for the Jews. This is a conversation you might remember that Jesus has with a Samaritan woman at the well in the Gospel of John. But Jesus has chosen that in order to get to Jerusalem, he will take a path that will lead him through some Samaritan villages. Now, there were other paths that you could go. It would take longer, but I think Jesus had a point to teach. And maybe it was a point that he wanted read in 2018. The messengers were sent ahead to give him a place to stay, to let him know, hey, there's a group coming in, let's prepare, let's get a room for the night. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. Oh good, so you're going to be traveling for the, for the next few days, you're going to be stopping in with us. Where might it be that your party is traveling to? Well, our teacher and I, we're on our way to Jerusalem. I'm sorry, we're full up. What, what do you mean you're full up? Well, we don't serve people who are on their way to Jerusalem. Why, why don't you serve people who are on their way to Jerusalem? Because we don't believe that's where you worship. We have nothing to do with the Jews. We don't want to have anything connected with their feast. And if that's where you're going to Jerusalem to be a part of those feasts, then we're not going to serve you. Does that have any ring to it, by the way? All of a sudden, Scripture come, comes to us and we think, wow, that, that speaks to, to moments right here and right now. I'm not going to treat you because of where you're going, because of who you vote for, because of where it is that you went to school, because of the part of the country that you, that you live in, because of the people that you have spoken with at seminars before, because of the podcasts that you listen to, because of the television shows that you watch, because of the, the car you drive, you name it. In today's culture, there are people who will say, you know what, I don't want to have anything to do with you because of this. 
and because you know them, and because you wore that, and because you waved this. And our culture more and more today is just like what's going on here. I am not going to help you. I am not going to show you hospitality. I will not give you grace because you're going to Jerusalem. And so what happens when you're treated that way? I don't think the natural response is to have anger, right? No one likes to be told you can't be here because of the color of your skin. You can't be here because of where you come from. Your language gives you away. We're not going to talk to you because of your morality choices. And there's anger that begins to boil up. And maybe just like James and John, you say, Lord, can we just call down fire on them? Let's just call down fire from heaven and burn them up. Do you know this was in your Bible that disciples of Jesus actually ask to destroy a group of people? Yeah. All of a sudden, some of you are feeling very much more biblical right now, aren't you? Yeah. You're like, I knew it was in there somewhere, dear. I knew it. Let me give you a warning. Anger can cause you to discount another person's value. You become angry because of the way that you have been treated. You become angry because someone holds a different view than you. And all of a sudden, that person no longer has any value or worth. And because of that, it doesn't matter then how you treat them. Right? We become so angry that we no longer see the other person as valuable to God. We no longer see the other person as in need of God's grace. We no longer see the other person as having any meaning whatsoever because the anger has just consumed us. And so we go to the God and say, God, would you just pour down fire on them? Don't allow emotion to dictate your behavior. Allow your behavior to be dictated by your identity. You are a child of God. And as a child of God, there are expectations of the way that you will react when you are treated unfairly and when you yourself are treated as if you have no value or no worth. So what did Jesus do? Jesus turns to his disciples and he rebukes them. Now, the interesting thing about the word there, rebuke, is that it means to warn by instructing. And it carries with it this idea, as you see on the screen, that you're going to warn in order to prevent something from going wrong. Jesus doesn't turn to them and berate them. He doesn't turn to them and yell at them. He turns and he rebukes in order that they might be able to avoid a much bigger problem. Because he sees the anger that's boiling up inside. And he knows what that anger is causing them to do. How it's causing them to act. And he turns to them and he says, we're not going to call down fire. I don't know, maybe he quoted some of the wise men of old. Maybe he said, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Maybe he reminded them of the Ecclesiastes passage, control your temper, for anger labels you a fool. Maybe he said, fools vent their anger, 
but the wise quietly hold it back. Who knows, maybe he quoted that old sage Yoda, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. Or maybe he just said, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. Because this is the essence of all that's taught in the Law and the Prophets. Yeah, you want to call down fire? That's what you want somebody to do to you? That's how you want people to treat you when you make a mistake, when, when you say something that's just dumb. That's how you want somebody to treat you when you forget about grace. That's how you want somebody to treat you when because of their own anger, they're just overcome with emotion. Is that how you like to be treated on social media? You like people to call you out. You like people to make judgments about your heart. You like people to decide exactly what it is that you're all about. Is that how you like for people to talk to you, is to grab you in the lobby of your business or in the lobby of church or to stop you in the parking lot and to, to put their finger in your face and to, to raise their voice and to shout in front of the children? Is that, how, is that how you like to be treated? Well, why don't you treat people the way that you would like to be treated? Jesus said, you know what, if you're willing to listen, here's what I'm going to say to you. Well, I want you to love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray, pray for those who hurt you, if you're willing to listen. Or you can call down fire, or you can have a tantrum, or you can scream your talking points, and you can let everybody know exactly where you stand and what you believe. or. You can allow your identity to express itself through grace. Allow your identity to express itself through grace. Allow everybody to know where you stand. Allow everyone to know the allegiance that you hold. Allow everyone to know what you're about and what you feel like is important. You express it through grace. That's what Jesus did. Here was his response. He rebuked his disciples and then the text says, they just went to another village. It's like, okay, we'll go to the next town and see what happens there. We'll go see if we can find a place there. No reason to get upset with these people over here. I, I understand what they said, and yes, it's hurtful, and, and I know that they look at you as, as an enemy, but we are not going to respond to them in kind. Instead, we're going to respond to them in grace, and the most graceful thing that we can do right now is to just go to another village. So let me ask you, church, is there another, another village on your horizon? Do you need to move on from a point, a position? Do you need to, to move on from a certain attitude? Do you need to move on from a certain relationship where you just realize everything is just so filled with anger and I don't know what to do? Jesus says, you just move on. You get off social media. You stop going to that restaurant. You, you, you stop dealing with those individuals that you're having the hard time with. 
You're like, but I'm going to see them at the 4th of July barbecue. Okay, then express yourself to grace. And then move on. Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For Scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing so, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. And then maybe this is, you look at that, and the most important thing that Paul could say in this passage is to don't, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. See, all the things that are going on right now in our society that gets us all emotional and gets us all worked up, oftentimes for good reasons, all of those things Satan can twist, even some of the things that are the most healthy, and he can twist those, and we end up being conquered by evil instead of allowing good to wash over us. And so our identity should influence how we see ourselves, and how we treat others. See, I got, I got two Twix up here. And I have left Twix. And I have right Twix. And I want to try something. I, I want to open up the left Twix and the right Twix. And I want to check something out. Hey, Derek, he's the same, man. The left tastes just like the right. The right looks just like the left. Do you know everybody that you get angry with and upset with is made in the image of God? Just like you. Do you know that everyone that you want to shout down because of their political beliefs is, is in need of God's grace just as much as you are? Do you understand that everyone has fallen short of the grace of God? Do you understand that no matter the color, no matter the nationality, no matter the language, no matter the faith, no matter what the background is, that in God's eyes, we are the same? The same. And because of that, our identity then should influence how we see ourselves and how we treat other people. Because we realize, you know what? We all say dumb things. And we all have to get up on our soapbox every once in a while. And we all feel like that if we were put in charge, we would do what was best. And we all feel like we support the right side. And we all feel like that we have the scripture to stand on and we have the law behind us and we have all of this history and all of these people. And God says, you know what? You're all sinners. That's what you all are. In need of grace. And he desires 
for those to whom He pours out His grace, to pour out that grace in the communities and in the world in which they live. But see, here's something we forget. I think we forget that the way we treat others shows where our true allegiance lies. Because we have allowed our different factions and our politics and our beliefs and our stances and our issues and our agenda, we have allowed all of those things to become our identity. And we have said, that's where my allegiance is. And yet the way that we treat others shows where our true allegiance lies. The way you talk, the way you walk, the things you involve yourself in, the shouts, the screams, the pounding, all the vitriol that we see, it shows where the allegiance lies. And here's Jesus' words, everyone will know that you are my disciple if you love one another. Who do you pledge your allegiance to? It shows by the way you treat others. And so church, slow your roll. Slow your roll. Do you really have to say that? Do you really have to type it? Do you really have to respond? Do you really have to get that word in? Everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It's so wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. So check yourself before you respond to the events of the day. And then if you must speak, please, by all means, think. Engage your brain before you engage your mouth. The heart of the righteous weighs its angers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. Think about it. And then if you must speak, speak as a citizen of the kingdom of God. And may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing to the Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Will you join me in prayer? Father, I want to pray for peace. I want to pray for peace in the hearts and the lives of so many people in this world. We don't have to look far to see the results of hatred and anger. We see how that Satan is alive and well and working in this world causing divisions among family members, among communities, in churches, in nations. Father, I believe that you desire for your people to be instruments of grace and to make a difference in this world by the way in which we treat one another by the language that we use, the tempers that we show, the causes that consume us. Father, I pray for peace. 
May that peace start here in this room with these people, with me. Allow us to be instruments of grace and instruments of your healing. Give us the right words to say at the right time. And Father, speak to us during those moments where we need to be quiet. And Father, may we always remember that we, that we speak as instruments of your kingdom. And that the way in which we speak and the way in which we act shows where our true allegiance lies. May we see Christ living in one another. And Father, may we forgive others who have hurt us. Just like you have poured out your forgiveness upon us. Let there be grace in this world. And may we join with others who are instruments of your healing peace. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Church, have a great week. Have a great week and enjoy all the things that the holiday has to offer. But by all means, as you remember the blessings of this country, don't forget where your true allegiance lies. And may it be seen in the way that you treat all of those who are around us. Maybe you need to respond this morning because you've been all left Twix, or you've been all right Twix, or you've been all Democrat, or you've been all Republican, or you've been all white, or you've been all black, or you've been all this, or you've been all that. Isn't it time to be all Jesus? Why don't you come? Let's pray about it as we stand and sing.